Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Today we are celebrating Pride Month and I am so excited to welcome a special guest today on this episode, Victoria. Thank you so much for creating some time to speak with me today. Thanks for having me. So Victoria, I am really curious about your story and we'll jump right into that and to dive into how you became part of uh, the drag scene in Calgary but why I reached out to you and why I think it's especially timely to be sharing your story right now, in addition to the fact that we're celebrating Pride Month, we and our uh, faith community have recently experienced um, some hatred towards our uh, rainbow sidewalk at the Pinocchio United Church, which I was just telling you about. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the drag and trans and LGBTQ2S plus community right now that I'd also love to learn from you about. So I don't know where we began, but I was reading about uh, some of the libraries that have been having drag story time and that there has been protesting against that and a lot of hatred towards that. What can you tell us about how all of that came to be and what's been happening in your community in Calgary? Well, it's, it's kind of a complicated story. Um, I have worked on and off with the program here in Calgary, which is known as Reading for Reading with Royalty, uh, which is a partnership between Calgary Pride and Calgary Public Library. And that program has actually been going on for over five years. Um, it has once in a while seen some homophobic protests once in a while. I think I remember once back in 2019 or something like that. There was like two guys who said they were going to protest and, you know, that was about it. Um, but more recently, this has kind of picked up with um, wider discussions of um, trans rights and queer rights. And it started with a conversation in the United States um, and then it has spread to Canada. Um, various... Um, Christian preachers have made it their mission to um, push trans people out of society and use Christian rhetoric prominently to do that. Um, I won't say his name, but um, the guy with Mission 7 here in Calgary um, and his predecessor, they've both um, targeted queer people for a long time. They use a lot of the rhetoric that has come out of the United States about trans people and queer people being groomers and pedophiles. This has been picked up by wider people across the province. Um, this is this is an age-old tactic. Um, most people agree that pedophilia is wrong and that, you know, that kind of activity is obviously horrible and reprehensible. So it's a pretty easy thing to say, like, okay, we all agree that this that this one thing is wrong. Well, this other group that I want you to hate, they're doing that thing that we all agree on, right? Yeah. Um, that we all agree is bad. So they smear you with those one thing, pedophilia, that everyone disagrees with and say, well, this other group, queer people, that's what they're doing. This is not new. No, this is like been going on for many decades. Depressingly unoriginal that they are bringing this back. Um, it was one of the very first charges leveled by the Nazis against Magnus Hirschfeld when he was doing um, research in the 1920s and 30s. Uh, it was brought up by Anita Bryant. You can look at her posters in 77 where she's, you know, when she actually got, when she was a major figure righteous protesting against gay rights, she often has posters behind her that says, you know, save our children, think of the children. 
Helen Lovejoy on The Simpsons was actually modeled after her hysteria of using the children hmm. always as this like, you know, won't someone think of the children? And then, you know, here we are 40 years later and it's depressingly uh, back. And it's the belief that queer identities, queer sexuality, um, different gender identities are inherently a sexual perversion. And rather than saying, well, some people like this type of body and some people like this type of gender and that's just another type of sexual attraction that you might have or gender identity that you might exhibit um they're saying that that's inherently sexualizing children and that any discussion of this around children is inherently sexualizing and like a deviant kind of sexual thing rather than just like there are queer kids and they're attracted to certain things and they might want to like learn about what's going on with them they think that this is a social contagion rather than just a naturally occurring thing in humans. And so that's why they're so upset. So that started in um, last summer. Um, there were attacks on the queer community in Calgary. There was actually a guy who would drive by Twisted Element, our major uh, queer nightclub here. Um, and he would shoot an airsoft rifle at people standing outside. Uh, he actually hit several people. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Were there ever and then was he ever caught or charges laid? No. No, he never was. Um, and then this escalated in November with the street preachers starting to target all age drag events. Um, I was at several of the counter protests where we tried to uh limit their impact. Um, it didn't go great, and then it escalated when one of my events uh, drag on ice had to be postponed it was a part of the chinook blast festival a major winter festival here in calgary and it was going to be an outdoor drag performers on ice you know people are going to dress up like princesses and skate around cool. and lip sync to lady gaga right it's not <laughs> a horrible thing um but they were targeting that event and there was no way to make it safe so we postponed it and that caused a huge hoopla in the media and spread nationally and all sorts of things when it was kind of like whoa like what's going on here where they're having to shut down major events because of this that led to the city bylaw when uh the next week the hate preacher stormed into and like literally trampled on children to like yell at them they're full of sin and you know they're gonna die in hell and all this stuff and you know he's yelling this at four-year-olds it's pretty ridiculous um yeah and so then he was tossed out of that room rather forcefully and um and then yeah they they passed the city bylaw kind of limiting how much protesting can be done that really took the wind out of a lot of their sales mm -hmm. we have not seen major numbers protests since then there are five or six really committed guys who show up because they want to end up on tucker carlson and they want to play the martyr cause and all this kind of stuff but the vast majority of people don't want a major fine they don't really believe that any of this is happening because if it was, I mean, queer people would be absolutely dead set against it. You know, the the things, the claims that they're saying are happening at drag shows just aren't. Like, just in the way that you can have, um, I mean, you've ever listened to the comedy of Chris Rock. Yeah. It's very explicit. He's swearing <laughs> left, right, and center. He talks about anything he wants. If you look at Bob Saget, America's TV dad of the 1990s on Full House, Family Man. Go watch his stand-up comedy. It is very filthy. He is a he's a dirty comedian. <laughs> but we can understand that Bob Saget can be in one 
form in one setting yes. and then alter his act and performance in another. And it's the exact same thing with drag performances. Absolutely, we do things that are sexy, that are racy, that are shocking when we're trying to be. But we also have morality too. And we're like, oh, we're around little kids. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it PG. Let's not offend anybody. There are appropriate times for mm. different things. And drag performances are no different. We tailor them to the audience and to the setting. Of course. So anyway, it's kind of a bit of a recap of what's been going on. Wow. I um, there's so much to unpack there, but yeah, I I hear what you're saying, Victoria, about like the medium or the the art, the artistic expression as a format. It's like saying it would be like saying, well, film is uh, you know dangerous for children to be exposed to because look at all these horror movies and and pornographic films and like, well, sure that that exists and there are genres that are not appropriate for all ages, but there are also Mickey's clubhouse or whatever. Like there's, there's sure. I mean, to throw everything into one. John Oliver can voice, you know, Zazu and be a talking toucan and then, or bird. And then, you know, later he can do an adult talk show that Ted, you know, talks about very intense themes, but there's a time and place for everything. And it's the same with drag. It, it's curated to the moment. Yeah. The scary thing is that now they're using this deep fake technology online to like take drag performers from one nightclub scene and then splice them into like a video of kids in a room. And it's like, it's really, really terrifying. The, yeah, this stuff is happening. There's like been deep fake pornography made of various like celebrities and things like that and it's like really shocking the quality that they're able to make of this kind of stuff and and like privacy people on, on online like privacy advocates are like kind of freaking out because there's the software is so advanced now that they can show people seemingly doing these things and then you you know if you know how to do the right searches and stuff you can determine that it it wasn't really real but it but a lot of people would it, be... it looks like it you can see it and then it, it you know it has to be like properly debunked mm -hmm. but and by then yeah, a lot of I damage is already like a done. performer what's that sorry and by that point a lot of damage is done from the thousands of people who have been tricked to thinking this is oh this is real yeah man um so uh, Things have gotten even worse, is my understanding, in, in the United States, mm -hmm. where, I mean, I think hate crimes and uh, transphobia and homophobia have always been even more extreme in the States than we experience here in Canada, not to diminish in any way what uh, the community mm -hmm. in Canada has been experiencing. But, like, Tennessee has law now banning um, queer themed readings in libraries is that correct are you familiar with that tennessee enacted a drag ban uh, a blanket ban on drag performances i'm very happy to let you know that actually yesterday a judge ruled it to be unconstitutional and overturned it oh really yes um which is what everyone anticipated would happen that this is an absolute infringement on mm -hmm. uh, first amendment rights to expression in the united states and that this would get overturned and largely this is kind of pointing out that kind of one aspect of the uselessness of these laws one they go against established american pr protections of freedom of expression the first amendment two they're wildly unpopular 
that Fox News, the last place you'd expect to stick out for trans people, had a poll up recently that showed, I think it was like between 70 and 80% of Americans. And these are Fox News watchers. We're like, just stop bugging trans people already. They're not really popular laws. They track well with a very small, committed, vocal group of supporters. But by and large, the average American is libertarian enough to kind of say, you know, do what you want to do, just don't affect me. Mm. And that's kind of been the case for a lot of trans people is that, you know, there are people who have kind of been whipped up into a frenzy recently. But, you know, kind of until the last couple of years, not a lot of people really cared. Right. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately this new hot button issue and 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 even more sadly um as the americans start to gear up in the early stages of their election cycle for next year um early republican debates and things like that have often targeted trans debates and it's kind of a scary thing when your right to exist is considered a, a debate or a tra- you know the trans question or debate and it's like well what happens if we lose that like are we just we're just gone that's it there's just no more trans people and it's kind of it's very scary to start asking these questions because it's literally the same thing that the Nazis asked around Jews and people that they perceived as racial enemies was kind of, you know, what do we do with the Jews? And that's terrifying. The answers that they came up with. Yeah. And, you know, there are Holocaust survivors now who are comparing directly what's happening in the United States to that. There's since January of this year, the uh, American legislators have filed 530 bills targeting trans and queer people unbelievable this year so yeah being trans is nothing new homophobia is nothing new why do you think i mean you pointed to the u.s uh, election that's not too far on the horizon um we've just gone through of course the election uh in provincial election in alberta why is this all of a sudden the last few months becoming such a hot topic such a hot debate it's it's called the culture wars. It's a deliberate attempt by various um, political activist groups in the United States, particularly uh, the ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. And um, <laughs> this this you can check all of this if you like. But essentially, while Joe Biden, the American president, remains to have you know relatively low popularity numbers himself directly. A lot of his policies are actually viewed very favorably by Americans. His plan is to build America from the bottom up and middle out, as he says, and focus on lifting people out of poverty, growing the middle class, um, taxing high income earners to provide social supports for lower income supporters and and members of society. And he's actually done a pretty good job of this. Um, a lot. He's made an incredible amount of jobs. He's lifted people out of poverty. And a lot of the policies that he's enacted, like lowering the price of insulin from crazy high levels to an affordable amount, protecting Medicare, these have actually proven incredibly popular policies, even with Republican voters. So the Republican voters don't really have like an economic plan that is tracking very well with voters because their plan remains basically a form of trickle-down economics that has been thoroughly debunked by economists that you know, giving more money to the supply to um, the supply side doesn't really work. You need to improve the demand side. If there's more demand, people ramp up the supply. So they they're still working on this model of tax cuts to the wealthy will make jobs, and this has been debunked. 
it's not in, it's increasingly unpopular and so because they don't have an economic platform that's tracking very well they've turned to divisive social issues I see. and so they turn to cherry-picked examples of a trans woman dominating a single sport event and saying look how unfair this is or they'll they'll dredge up a nine-year-old video of fallon fox you know an mma fighter winning a match and say look this horrible person is you know they try to find these these cherry-picked examples to whip up fervor and the sad result is that a lot that it's it, it is getting some traction if you look at um the amount of traction that trans uh, topics get in the news it does show that there is kind of this like fascination right now with what is going on mm. and unfortunately like the wild thing is that most of it's just like straight out and out lies of what's happening like that trans women pose a danger to cis women in bathrooms is just ridiculous like yeah. the, the stats do not match it up no. they're banning trans athletes in some states there's only one trans girl that they're banning and they're passing a whole law against her. Like it's, <laughs> but they need, you know, they, they need they to get ahead of it. Right. They need to be on top of it before there's this tsunami of like, is there, is, yeah. is that what it's about? Do you think that there's this paranoia that, well, um, if we, if we let one person get away with this, then there's going to be this, you know, lopsided, um, you know, massive influx of trans women taking over, MMA or taking over Olympic sports like no this is this is what we call the um the quote valid concerns approach and what they the end goal and, and let's be unequivocally clear about this the end goal is the eradication of trans people they don't want there to be any more trans people once they're done with trans people they are coming for the rest of the LGBTQ community we've already seen signs for them to call uh for the the removal of protections for gay rights in the states mm. Uh, you know, a lot of the groomer rhetoric is now being spread to the rest of the LGBTQ community. Um, so it is it is just straight up transphobia and homophobia. But what they do is they found if we start small and just say, well, we have this really valid specific concern here and then it can escalate. It started with, hey, we're concerned about people in bathrooms. We're concerned about people playing sports. Mm. Then it's well, now we're concerned about health care for trans kids. Now they're outright banning adult healthcare in the United States. 80% of trans people in Florida, which is the second highest concentration of, of trans people in the United States, lost their healthcare two weeks ago. Oh my it's God. not being covered in mainstream news because the governor didn't pass, uh, he, he basically used the health board there that is in his pocket to prevent nurse practitioners from administering hormones. That's 80% of trans people in the state of Florida. Wow. Are, and they all lost their harm, their access to like affirming care. And that's for adults. Yeah. They're not just like, oh, we're worried about the children. The end goal has always been to remove trans people. Because they um, fundamentally a... believe that that it, um, that whatever gender you're born with, you all humans should stay that gender. And that transitioning is just full stop wrong. That's the belief. Um, what what we would call them in terms of um like from an academic perspective is um biological essentialists um so when you're born um generally what happens is the doctor lawyer or a parent looks between your legs and says based on what they see it's a boy or it's a girl um and so often humans have been um uh given a gender a, a gender has been assigned to people 
based on physical sex characteristics as determined by your chromosomes. Mm -hmm. um, this has historically been put into one of two categories, male or female. Genetically, that's not humans at all. If you want a really long episode of this show, go ask a geneticist about that and they will talk <laughs> to you for four hours. Wow. Um, because there's there's literally thousands of ways that humans don't fit into those categories based on their chromosomes and their DNA. We've created those because those are two big categories, but intersex people exist. In fact, 1.2% of the world's population has blue eyes, like me. 1.2% of the world's population is intersex, does not fit into the categories of male or female. Really? I did not know it was that high. Biology is not the idea of sex and biology being a binary. Not the case. It is very much a spectrum. This exists in all creatures and not just in humans. And so sex has been understood as a binary. It's a spectrum. Gender is a social construct made up by humans. And we can prove this because if there was an absolute essence that was male and female, then that means it wouldn't change over time. It wouldn't evolve from generation to generation. We wouldn't see fluctuations from one part of the world to the next mm. when we totally do. Think of traits that we ascribe as masculine or feminine in a North American context and think of how they might be different in other parts of the globe, right? And also think about how that changes over time. I love when people say that, okay, we need to have men dressed traditionally. Okay, they probably mean like trousers and a you know, a collared shirt or something. Mm. But if we go back even more traditionally to 1791, should they all be wearing heels and silk stockings? Because that's what men wore. <laughs> that's so true. Hey? That was traditional men's garb. And wigs. <laughs> like, would you like men to be back in silk and... stockings? I sure would. I'd like to see them in a cute pair of heels. But that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like powdered so, wigs, right? Uh, it, sure. You can look at um, <laughs> at uh, 100 years ago or more than that. In 1900, little boys wore pink dresses until the age of five that's right it was yeah. very common that's because right. dresses were easier for the legs is easier for cleanup when boys made messes and pink was considered a strong masculine color hmm. until the 1940s and nowadays you would not you'd put a little boy in a pink dress and people would be like what this is woke gendered ideology and you're like we have pictures of former presidents of the united states in pink dresses as little boys because that's just what they wore so what that shows us is that gender does change based on the society and culture of the time, which means that it's a social construct. It mm -hmm. is a product of the society mm -hmm. which exists. It's still a big part of our identity. Gender is one of the big ones. Um, gender, race, class, these are kind of like the big three of how we form our, our identity. And then there's other ones on top of that, sexuality, ableism, education, all these other sure. factors in our identity. But gender is a big one. And we've realized that sometimes your gender that you were assigned at birth doesn't match up with your actual gender identity mm. because you were a tiny baby. You have never experienced gender at age zero when they say they look at what's between your legs and say it's a boy. Mm -hmm. And then as you grow up and experience society, what we're trying to build is a society where you can just be whatever gender you are. Yeah. And so ideally, if we stop like ascribing a gender to somebody they can just evolve and as they get older and as they understand what masculinity is and femininity is they can gravitate towards mm. the one that just makes sense for them so what do you think that would look like victoria in a in a hypothetical world where we had a social a complete social vacuum so a child is born mm -hmm. into 
any random family dynamic, but just in a, in an sure. with without the presence of any um, you know any outside influencing forces that are pushing them to to uh, accept a gender identity. How how does one explore and um, and form that sense of identity for themselves? Do you think in a healthy in a healthy society? Well. That- that's the really amazing thing is that we don't fully know the answer yet because if a lot of people say, well, what is the answer? Like what's going on? Why is this so new? And the answer is yes, it is all very new. We are actually living in a moment where people are, are challenging ourselves are challenging so many assumptions of the way things are to say, is that the best way? Is there another way? Is there a way to be make a more just and fair society? And this is happening in multiple fronts at, at one time, which is why it can be scary for some folks to feel like everything that we knew from the 80s onwards is being totally changed. And the answer is, yeah, actually, we're checking everything up. If it's not just if it's if it's causing oppression, there are forces to change it all. And that's going to be a we're at a huge cultural shift. And it's really exciting mm-hmm. to say we're not just processing things because that's how it has been. We're saying, does this really fit? the reality we have today. It's super cool. Um, So to kind of more directly answer your question though, um, the idea is not necessarily, kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna experience things. They're gonna gravitate to ideas. You know, nobody's saying that as a parent, you can't be masculine or feminine or male or female or whatever. Of course, you be yourself. It's just the idea of, we, we pump this gender onto kids so young. Right. Mm-hmm. Think of the gender reveal party. This kid's not even out of the womb yet, and we've already associated a color with them. Oh, if it's if it's got an XY chromosome, well, we've got its whole life planned out ahead of it. The toys you know? and the clothing and the, the toys, the clothing, the color all, scheme. Yeah. You know, they're put the room. are they put into little dresses or are they put into pants? Are they if they hold the hand of another toddler, oh, you've got a girlfriend. We've already sexualized the kid by saying this is going to be a heterosexual child when they're just holding another kid's hand because they're just, they're two. They're they're roughly the same size. That's the only prerequisite for being friends at that age, you know? Um, And so, like, there's all these little things that I think make people realize how gendered our world is. Mm -hmm. And to kind of stop and say, oh, wow, we've been doing this. Is this right for everyone? I think sometimes it makes people a little scared. They're like, well, what would society be like if we stopped that? And actually, there's going to be a lot more trans and non-binary people if we if we give people the choice from age zero of just choosing whatever evolves naturally to them. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more trans and non-binary people. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the, the the big litmus test of this to show this was the pandemic. Oh, my gosh, I have welcomed so many more trans and non-binary friends since 2020. It is an onslaught, and it's because people unplugged from a highly gendered society where they were expected to perform a certain way. And we largely existed in our houses. Right. We largely existed online. We could control our representation in so much more way. And we were unplugged from a lot of forces in society. I So many more people came out as trans and non-binary over the lockdown because they had time to be like, well, what do I want to be like? Yeah. Rather than yeah. what does society expect me to be like? Well, we saw massive examples of people just rethinking life in general. So like this massive, yep. what was the term um, for this? You know, there was this giant wave of people quitting their jobs or pivoting to new careers, leaving. I mean, mm-hmm. we had 
tens of thousands of people in Canada leave the hospitality industry because overnight everything was shut down. So they had no choice but to find other work. But then following that, you started to see a lot of stories about just how, how many people were thinking, you know, now that everything's been put on pause, maybe, maybe I don't want to be whatever, whatever, like job, which is a big part of our our vocation is a big part of our identity as well. You're talking about, you know, gender and Mm -hmm. um, race and all these other aspects of our identity, but how we identify as, you know, you meet someone for the first time. And the first thing that most people say is, hi, I'm Ben and I'm a filmmaker. You know, you you, you mm-hmm. wrap so much of your identity up in what you do for work, which is hilarious because that changes sure. every few years for a lot of people as well, right? By the time you're age 30, most people have had five or six different careers. But yeah, uh, and it didn't used to be that way, of course. You know, our, our parents' generation, they found something out of university and stuck with it for 20, 30, 40 years yep. till they get the the watch at retirement. But we did see a lot of people really reevaluating priorities, reevaluating their values, reevaluating their identity. So it's no surprise mm-hmm. then that gender and sexuality would be a big part of that. And uh, I just used the oh, term yeah. this, you know, hypothetical social vacuum. Well, we sort of had that for a couple of years where people were, like you said, not in their normal circles of interaction socially and uh, taking some distance and space from some of that pressure to really explore who they are. So um, what does that look like in Calgary in the LGBTQ scene and in the drag scene? Um, You you were talking about a little bit uh, about the the club where a lot of drag performers um, kind of congregate, but what is the scene looked like in, in as we're coming out of the pandemic because of that um shift that you're describing well it's it's bigger than ever before that's that's absolutely the case we've had we've had a baby boom um <laughs> kind of starting last year yeah. when shows really started up and people were more vaccinated and felt more comfortable being in crowds again um we we've had a huge explosion of newer performers coming into the scene and it's been a really cool um the the scene is is more queer than ever before um so drag was was uh historically um going back to his earliest roots trans women have always been a part of drag um but then as it evolved um kind of people often associated drag queens more with cis gay men in in portraying femininity Mm -hmm. and we're in an era right now where there's still a lot of cis gay men doing drag and that's wonderful. But now we have a, a whole new branch of diversity coming in where there are a lot of AFAB, there's a lot of non-binary performers, trans performers, um, that there's so many different types of performers now um, that are on stage and in newer numbers that the scene is really diversified within the queer community. It's it's really cool to see um, that change. And even five years ago that was just starting and then the experience of the pandemic really exploded that as a lot of people started doing online shows with their friends Hmm. and then when that stopped they're like well i want to keep doing this and they've started doing more shows and it's really cool because there's there's all sorts of new parts of the drag community and it's bigger and more diverse and there's drag happening at more places than ever before when the protests against the drag community were happening um 
Hala Bigra um, and part, was a part of QCU, the Queer Citizens United group here in town. And they ran um, a huge show called event called the Drag Day of Solidarity. Hmm. And um, it was designed, it, was, it happened in connection with um, similar calls to for justice from the Black trans community in the United States, particularly in Tennessee. And we were also going through stuff. So this kind of, we were planning it already, but it kind of dovetailed together perfectly and it turned into one giant day. And over 40 different spaces across Calgary opened their doors to drag performers. And we did many pop-up drag shows all across the city and like you know we were doing them at sandwich shops we were doing them in bars and restaurants and beauty spas and things like that and just people who wanted to show that queer people that drag totally is welcomed here um it was a really really cool moment to see that many places all across the city be super supportive yeah so we're we're at the very start of pride month uh we're it's june june 5th today when we're recording this we'll be posting this this friday um what's happening in the calgary area for pride this month um well we're doing some things um this is not pride for calgary this is pride month uh internationally and so there's lots of things happening but calgary pride actually happens in september um yeah for a very important and historical reason yeah it's because of the weather <laughs> yeah that's, that's it a there's no reason. secret meaning yeah yeah it's just june is historically one of the wettest months in calgary yeah and september long weekend is not and so they moved it to september long weekend years ago yeah um it also helps because uh there's a lot of major major international prides toronto new york la san francisco all happen in this month and uh, it does make it a little easier to bring performers together and things like that. Mm. So it helps too with bookings and making it a big party and fun. That's cool. Um, but there are still things happening, um, you know, throughout the months to celebrate Pride. Twisted Elements doing a bunch of shows. Um, my company, Cabaret Calgary, has a couple of shows that we're doing for Pride in and around the city. Um, yeah, I think there there are there are some things calgary used to not do a lot in june because it was like okay ours is in september but now there's there's been demand for more events to pop up in june and then we also do july so we kind of get to do do both there's more uh in edmonton edmonton will be doing a lot Hmm. um in june um historically edmonton celebrated in june i'm not 100 percent sure what's happening with that i know there's also a pride event that they're doing in august so i'm not sure cool but yeah so as you're talking about these pop-up shows and things like that, it made me, I was picturing um, these uh, story time sessions in libraries and thinking back to how we started this conversation around how in the news there was these protests at Calgary libraries just a couple months ago, I think in February, was it? Um, what? Uh, they've been going on since December and then okay. and they've kind of trickled off um, recently. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts, Victoria, on why it matters and what, like, why it's important that public spaces like a library that are all about educating the public. So they're a public space, mm-hmm. they're an all ages public space, and they're fundamentally yep. about knowledge and awareness and, and education. So yep. what an important place to shine light on 
the drag and, and queer community for people who may not have any understanding and awareness. Yeah, I'll do two things here for you. One, I'm going to tell you what's going on in a drag story time. And two, why is it so important? Okay. So I have I have read at drag story times. And why it is so important to refer to it as drag story time, not drag queen story time, <laughs> is that a lot of the performers are not actually drag queens. A lot of them are actually drag kings. So right now when they're like so worried about what are these pervert men doing reading to children? Uh, right now, um, there aren't any drag queens. There aren't any cis gay men dressed up as queens reading to, to kids in Calgary. It's actually all drag kings at the moment. Um, so which I kind of defined find, as they don't even know what's happening. Cis women who are uh, in drag. No, uh, a drag king can be anyone, just like a drag queen can. So um, a cis woman, a trans woman, a cis man, a trans man can all be a drag queen. And same for a drag king. Um, so um, a drag queen is any person who chooses to project a character portrayal of femininity. Okay. And a drag king would be the same, but projecting masculinity. And then there's drag monarchs, which are a non-binary drag performer that combines elements of masculinity oh, cool. and femininity. Yeah. So at these, um, when I used to do them, and they, this is the, still the format that they do, we sit down and we'll probably read two to three stories each to the kids. We point out the pictures, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's very fun. Um, it's tailored to roughly the audience, you know, age that we expect. So if it's, you know, under five or five to 10, and, you know, there's books tailored to the right audience. Um, most of the books don't even mention queerness. Really? They don't even, they don't even, I, I, I read Sparkle Boy all the time and I read Red and neither book mentions the word queer or gay at all. Hmm. Those are my two favorite books to read or Sparkle Boy and Red. You can look them up right now and check it out. What both of those are about are about diversity and accepting that people are different. Hmm. That's it. It's about finding out who you are and celebrating that and being totally cool with other people doing what's right for them. Mm. And there are books that, you know, talk about maybe being trans or, or, or having two mommies or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But a lot of those times we don't even read those stories. They're there. Sometimes they're read. It's, it's, it's not explicitly queer content that's being told to kids. It's also age appropriate queer content if it is, but largely what the message is, is about diversity and acceptance. Mm. And after we read some stuff, we do, you know, a few little story time dances to keep the kids interested. And then they turn them loose on the tickle trunk and let them dress up as a pirate or a princess or a lizard or whatever they want. It's the same tickle trunk they use for every story time. And that's it. That's all that happens there. There's so no performances. The There's only no difference drag is, numbers or anything like that. But the person reading the stories happens to be in drag. A drag performer. Yeah. yeah. And, and then we also read it with a facilitator from the Calgary Public Library that reads to his kids all the time. It's so... It's supervised. The parents are there. You know? Yeah. You have to get a background check before you can do it. Right. It's so asinine and ridiculous that there would be any... Um, anyone fighting against this and actively, like, really going out of their way to try to put an end to... Oh, yeah. To these programs but so just um, to, to finish your answer then wh why for you why does it feel important that this be a part of our public space so, and 
Yeah. So um, I'm a big proponent of it, the philosophy. If you can see it, you can be it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't see queer representation, you don't understand that it's a viable way of living your life. Mm -hmm. I grew up in 80s and the 80s and 90s in Alberta. And there was no queer representation. No. There was no trans representation. I had never even heard the word transgender till I was in my late 20s. And and it was really hard because I had these feelings that did not match up with anything I had been told, anything that I had experienced. And I had no idea what to do with them for over two decades. Wow. And and then I heard these terms and then I heard these words and it was like a light bulb going off. It's like imagine telling, describing to somebody what a tree is, but you've never heard the word tree. Yeah. Or seen, you one. know, yeah. Or seen one. Yeah. And you know that there's a tree in your backyard and you're trying to describe it to somebody, but you can't because you don't have the word and you, you've never actually seen it, but you know, it's there. And so it's, it's so important for kids to just know that there's other ways of, of living and if if the kid is straight or or cis, they're just gonna be like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, and move on. Mm -hmm. But once in a while, there's gonna be a kid who's like, tell me more, yeah. <laughs> and it's so important for them. Um, it's important because it 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 creates a more diverse society and accepting society, and then it also gets the knowledge and information to people who are queer and teaches them more about things that they they don't really get in any other place so which can it be is life super important like literally life saving it really can be it's actually shown to be very much reduce uh suicidality amongst youth mm -hmm. by having this awareness and education yeah wow so um yeah. maybe and maybe this is a, a good place to wrap up our conversation victoria but as sure. uh i mean as whether uh, I'm wearing my hat of representing the faith community that I'm a part of, or just, um, mm -hmm. just an ally in general, um, yeah. how can people support, how can be, how can people be part of the solution? Um, the biggest one is having, is having, uh, small conversations, um, there's a there's a thing that happens in a lot of social groups, and I call this the happy Christmas effect, that people don't want to ruin the social event. They don't want to ruin the birthday party. They don't want to ruin Christmas or Thanksgiving. And they'll hear a comment, <laughs> a casual comment or a joke, or, you know, somebody will bring a topic up and someone makes a blue joke. And everyone kind of is like, uh, and groans and moves on. And it's never addressed. Addressing it is huge. It shows it shows all the people in that room that no, 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 this is not okay. And it's, it's how you kind of change, like tolerating those things perpetuates them in society. Yeah. It creates and permission. so a little, a little act of allyship that you can do is if somebody does say something that is, you know, a joke at the expense of trans women or something like that, and you don't find it funny, you can just say, yeah, I don't like that one. I don't like that joke. And you can kind of just like change the topic and move on. But it's that little nudge that people are like, oh, you know what? People actually aren't okay when I make that joke. Mm -hmm. And maybe the next time they won't. Mm. And and spreading those jokes leads to other actions. And there's the whole violence pyramid that I can teach you about. <laughs> uh, that's a whole another chat. And you have to pay money for that. Um, but <laughs> there is that's one way. And then the other way is right now we need people to show up. It's it. This is a... There are so many attacks going on on Prize this year. There are so many companies that are saying, oh, should we stop supporting this? Does any, you know, what about the backlash if people are upset about queer things? 
we need people to go out there and show support for the queer community in a demonstrable physical way and show up like go go to the prides go to the the celebrations show up to shows um you know if you see people hammering away at the local library or church for doing something for pride send a message of support and say hey i i see what you're doing and i'm proud of you and and those messages mean a lot to those organizers that Mm -hmm. there are people out there that are supporting them that stand with them and and it's often hard to kind of, you know, a lot of us look at it and say, oh, that sucks. And we go on about our life. Send the message of support. Yeah. Do something, show support this month. Yeah. There's so many ways you can get involved. Even just sending an email can mean a lot. It's so easy to be vocal with how connected our world is, right? And we saw some beautiful examples of that with our um, our rainbow sidewalk that was vandalized at the Pinocchio United Church. People showed up. People showed mm-hmm. up to volunteer to help repaint it to clean it up, to clean the eggs off the front doors that were all over the place. And the news was there. So it got some exposure, which was great. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, people just, you know, we do have that tendency to think like, ah, oh, that's, that's brutal. And then go on with our day. But whether it's, yeah. you know, sending, seeing, getting in touch with someone to say, Hey, can I send $20 to help towards this yeah. cause or to help with cover the cost of the paint or, and I show up and volunteer for something, or like you said, showing up at events and, and uh, pride parades or wh- whatever it might be that is celebrating and affirming and just mm-hmm. vocally, uh, like deliberately and publicly stating the support for inclusivity. Absolutely. We're, we're at a, a, a major crossroads where there's been a lot of progress and there's pushback and which side is going to win out is, is a big one right now. Mm-hmm. And are we going to keep moving forward and say that everyone has a place here or are we going to say only some people will do? Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, just something as simple as standing and watching a parade and being counted mm-hmm. can be a huge thing where that way the pride organizer can say, look how many people showed up. Yeah. It's an yeah. undeniable thing that people really support. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like, it's important, especially with what happened in Tabor last, you know, this past weekend, it's important that people show up, especially in small town communities. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are making progress maybe more, more quickly in the cities where you're seeing more gender neutral washrooms and you're seeing um, just, you know, a sticker in the window of a cafe or something that indicates that like, this is a safe space you're more likely to maybe see those things in Calgary than we are here in Basha or Pinoka, where it's more conservative, it's more rural, it's more small town. Mm-hmm. Things are a little bit slower moving when it comes to well to those things. But we're, we're you know that you have a you know that you have a gender neutral washroom in your house, right? <laughs> Dude, like yeah, <laughs> you know, like you probably They're don't have place washrooms in your own house. <laughs> And your friends come over and they use whichever washroom they want. Yeah. And I usually tell people that and they're like, oh yeah, I guess I do share a washroom with lots of people. And if you have kids, there's not a lot of boundaries there. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you want more boundaries on those, <laughs> those bathroom doors, but you know, that's kids. So, yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's sometimes there's this kind of hysteria. But I think it, I think it is true that in, in, uh, in our small communities, it can be a little bit harder sometimes to mm-hmm. create change um and and it's great that we are seeing the progress that is being made whether you're talking about urban or rural but there mm-hmm. is a long way to go obviously and so i think having people 
like yourself, um, be so outspoken and be a, obviously you are clearly a leader in raising awareness and in activism and advocacy. And so I just uh, applaud you for that. And, and I'm glad that, that you're out there doing it and glad that you're willing to speak on a podcast and to help raise awareness. Well, I, I am. It's also uh, one of the things that I do is uh, along with my business partner, Enda for break, we run a corporate a company called the queer education foundation. Oh, wow. Uh, and we actually do training for companies, for organizations, groups, whatever. Um, Prides have asked us and we hold like online sessions hosted by a pride and then anyone can sign up. And we teach on topics are like unconscious bias, microaggressions, trans and non-binary identities, queer, you know, an introduction to the queer community. We do history of pride, history of drag, all kinds of sessions like that to raise awareness about the about the queer community. Wow, that sounds amazing. Um, so yeah. maybe let's just point our listeners <laughs> to uh, where they can find out more about that and your work there as a way of kind of closing out our, our, uh, our chat today. Where, where can people learn more? You can get in touch with us at info at qefoundation.com. That's our email. Or you can find us on the web at www.qefoundation.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. And what are your any handles that you'd like to share around your social media or anything like that? Or uh, Those ones are good. You can find me through QE Foundation. Perfect. That's probably the easiest. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, Victoria. Okay, thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun and uh, so informative for me. Uh, it's it's such a, a journey that I think is lifelong, you know, whether we're talking about issues that are facing the trans and queer community specifically, or just like, for me, what this podcast is all about is just a lifelong curiosity around my own human spirituality and spiritual journey. And I think that just being a person who's trying to become more loving, more accepting, more whole and continuing to explore my own identity and who I am on, in this in this world, it's all just part of that. And so it was fascinating to just connect with you, get to know you a little bit. Yeah. And I so appreciate your deep understanding and like wisdom and knowledge around all of these issues that you're just a fascinating person to talk to. So thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me. And uh, anyone listening out there who would like to uh, check out more episodes of the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Those can all be found in the archives on uh, iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can just subscribe to Six Ways from Sunday or check us out on our website, uh, risingspiritministry.com. And until next time, thanks for listening and take care and be well.